passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. We are live. It is Rewind at Dynamite Time. I am John Pollock and joined by Wei Tang. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. How are you? You mean it? Yes. I don't lie. Hmm. Okay. Um, good. Like, are you, you feel good, healthy, like you're, you're through with whatever you were trying to battle last week? Through it all, yes. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. I'm glad. We're back to 100%. Sure. Got my tea. I'm all set to go. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. I'm pumped. It's in my you veins. Start. Wow. Through your veins. Yeah. Like that Randy Orton shirt. In my veins. Okay. All right. Let's go. Tonight's episode of Dynamite. Oh, by the way, uh, some plugs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we Jesus. Do, what a, we what a <laughs> bait and switch. We always get right down to it. Uh, sorry, guys. Commercialism comes yeah, first. Okay, all right. I mean, plug uh, away. Plug hey, away. the only thing I do want to plug is the Post Daily News update. Every day, 1 o'clock, you never know who's going to show up, okay? Not, not only are John and I going to talk about the biggest stories of the day, and boy, did we have some big ones to talk about. We had to talk about, of course, Gunther. Everybody's favorite, Gunther, debuting on NXT 2.0. I uh, talked about Saray, uh, another great debut from NXT 2.0. Just a fun conversation. Of course, a little bit about AEW and John Moxley today. But also, we were joined by Brett Lauderdale, GCW promoter, ahead of the world on GCW coming up this Sunday. Weren't we, John? That is true. He joined us live. So yes, you never know who is going to stop by the, the post-daily news show. But that was a lot of fun to do. Great chat today uh, covering a bunch of topics related to Game Changer Wrestling as they go into this this big weekend of theirs that I think is going to have a lot of attention between I, I, the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to watch that because there's a UFC on Saturday night, but I'm very intrigued to to watch uh, that. I think some of the speeches will be fantastic on that that show. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful being able to, you know, hear from Brett himself just about um, some of the promotion of the event and also uh, some of the philosophy behind putting GCW together. It's a very unique promotion and one that is uh, undoubtedly going to start off 2022 with um, a lot of momentum. Oh, God, I, I can't I can't not use these words now. Lots of yeah. momentum. Uh, and then just one more plug for me. Tomorrow, it's the wellness policy with me and Jordan Goodman. Uh, this will be live for all cafe patrons at 3 p.m. And the archive will now be hosted on the Post Wrestling Cafe feed. 
but it'll be available for free. So simply go to patreon.com slash post wrestling right afterwards and you can be, find it uh, instead of, you know, on the main feed. Also, it'll be up on the YouTube as well. But Jordan and I, you know, because it is the start of the new year, we'll be talking a little bit about goal setting and, you know, uh, why we choose goals. How Like Jordan is somebody who actually has a lot of experience being able to um, help people with with things like this. So I'm I'm kind of looking to talk to him about it. And what happens if we don't meet our goals? Oh. So it'll be a pretty loose conversation. Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? I know you mentioned one already, John. Yeah, yeah. People gotta gotta listen for for that one. Um, my uh, my goals uh, to be able to do a, do a splash off of a stage when I'm in my in my sixties. That would be a that would be a goal, wouldn't it? I think that, that I think that's a wonderful goal to have, and it starts today, John. Yeah, you I know? I, I want to go and have a match in my sixties that blows away a match I had in the city uh, twenty four years ago. That that would be another goal. That would be a great goal to achieve. In your sixties, absolutely. So there you go. No, I don't have any no, no immediate goals. Well, that's fine. Maybe you can listen to the episode and then uh, you know maybe I'll, maybe I'll form some. Yes. Yeah. And that's it. I have nothing else to. That's it. Nothing else. I mean, there's there's always great stuff at postwrestling.com, isn't there? Well, go go subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's what I want everyone to do. Go go subscribe. Send along the place to be weekdays at one p.m. Eastern time. But tonight, we've got AEW Dynamite from the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C. First of two live AEW shows this week from the venue. They will be the back The place is Friday. called the Entertainment and Sports Arena? Correct, yes. Is that an, even a brand? No. I imagine it's just uh, it's it's facilitating a very literal, those. It's a very literal name. That's what it's There's... called, the Entertainment and Sports Arena. You're going to, I mean, if you go to this arena, you'll get entertainment and sports. I mean, I think we, we all lament the, you know, crypto.com center, but you could be a bit more creative than entertainment and sports arena. It could be, but I think we can also, in this day and age of so much uh, commercialism, I think we can also applaud uh, simplicity's sake of, hey, come to, what, what, what do you do at the crypto.com arena? I have no idea. But the entertainment and sports arena, I have a good idea what I'm going to spend a ticket and what I'm going to receive for in for, for that night's uh, action. But will you remember, you know, when you have to punch it in into Google Maps? We're going to the ESA. The ESA. Yeah. Somewhere in between, I feel like we'll have a great name. But okay, sure. You just wait until we're going to like the, the Humpty Dumpty p- potato the chip. Wall. Oh, the wall. The yeah. wall. Yeah, sure. Okay. They're all they're all going to be coming. The uh, I don't know. Let's get into dynamite. Take three. Tonight, the show began with John Moxley coming out through the crowd to Wild Thing, his first appearance since October, and he comes out thunderous reaction. And when the music stops, this whole arena is chanting "Welcome back." And then they were all ready to hear the man speak, save for one guy in the crowd who just kept screaming, and to the point. That Moxley singles this guy out and says, quote, hey, go fuck yourself. Get that guy out of here. And this was a landmark moment because we got an F-bomb on TBS. So take that, Andy Griffith. Spectacular start. Yes. What do you mean? Like, uh, what, like a landmark in terms of AEW or a landmark in terms of TBS? I have to think we've heard F-bombs in TBS history before. Uh, on an AEW, how how many f bombs have we heard in AEW? Probably not in eight. I mean, I can't recall. Definitely Maybe not on have. TBS. 
because this is only week three. Oh, okay. I meant I, I thought you meant TBS's entire history. No, like, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the F word has been been uttered here, but nonetheless, yeah. So right. AEW just, uh, I guess, and Lance Archer got one in two. So, come on, isn't it? It's 2022. They're figuring out the language code as they go. It's 2022. Like, what kid hasn't heard the the F word by the time they're like, you know, seven months? I mean, it's 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 common language. Okay, let's let's move on to censoring more severe words than the F word. I think it's time we adopt the F word in our everyday usage. We, we could definitely go down a longer discussion philosophically about how, how silly this is, that there are certain words that we just, oh my God, we, we cannot possibly yeah. hear. They will do so much damage to us. You know, it's a, a bit tough to make out what this heckler was saying, but but the uh, detectives on the internet seem to think that this was a, a man who was yelling, boo, get the garbage truck and get this trash out of the ring, boo. Wow, people were able to decipher that? Uh-huh. I could not make out what he was saying. Yeah. Which, Did they know if he was uh, what, actually thrown out? I'm not sure that I don't know, but I mean, if, if, if he was saying something like that, I think it, the, the, Hey, go fuck yourself was very much warranted. Well, Moxley then went into a, a long speech explaining that he ha- he fell asleep on a plane, not knowing what city he was in. And he had a bad dream and he was on the side of the road with a cloud, a demon hanging over him that had followed him around his whole life. The cloud was laughing at him telling him that all that was good in his life did not belong to him. And Moxley woke up and notes, no one gets out of this life unscathed. All of us have scars. The ones on the inside are the scars that are harder to see, but the ones we should be most proud of because they tell our story. They give us strength and they make us the people that we are. Nobody is perfect. No one should be scared to bear it all in front of everyone. And to the people that wrote me off or doubted me, you can take that shit and shove it up your ass. He doesn't run from demons. He just beats the shit out of demons. And he thanks all of those that supported him. He's going on a pilgrimage, grabbing wrestling by the balls, because now he is truly free. He has been to hell, and it's liberating. And there is nothing and nobody that can stop him now. He said that if you thought I was dangerous before, today all I drink is blood. (laughs) This was like... Just an unbelievable, um, this is the most unconventional motivational speech I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely. Uh, I thought it was amazing. And, and before I move on, I should clarify, there are people in the chat room claiming that he called him a drunken piece of trash, which makes it even worse. So um, I haven't gone back and listened to it myself. So maybe maybe we'll, we'll do that at some point. But um, knowing what this guy was coming back from, knowing what he was about to say to the ring, anything, anybody trying to throw him off with... I don't care if this is a pro wrestling arena, but you know th- that type of heckling bullshit. Um, I I'm I'm glad he responded the way that he did because he was a man coming out here. I think very vulnerable, you know. And, and this speech came out and, and and it felt very honest, very revealing, but also at the same time triumphant and full of hope. But let's also be honest: this is only you know day one of him returning to work, and um, there's there's a big road ahead for for John Moxley, um, but. It did feel like a pro wrestling promo by the end. He ended it with, you know, uh, fighting lines that made you want to see this guy fight somebody. You know, but but when when you think about John Moxley, I mean, to me, he was always just a character who was really cool. He was like, you know, very much like a yeah, ass kicker, badass type of guy. I think, though, like he's he's in a position now where if successful, he can inspire people in, in ways that transcend, you know, just just being the ass kicker. I thought this was a great start. 
you know, in that sort of line of, of, of development for him, this promo, like words like, you know, the scars that we have are the ones we should be the proudest of. I mean, these are words that I'm sure many will go back to the next time they might be having a bad day. Um, he, you're right. Like it, it is the most odd and unlikely inspirational motivational type of speech, but he has a way of, of making it sound authentic and kind of making it sound cool. Yeah. I, I just thought this was a phenomenal segment, like a truly memorable segment. And I mean, if you've written or sorry, if you've written, if you've read uh, John Moxley's book, as I've said, like, I think he's like a fantastic writer and it really strikes you that this is a man that's like, in some ways can be very poetic, but in his own voice that is very unique to John Moxley. And that what that is what this this segment was. I think if anyone had read his book, this was maybe um, you've very much had that sense of him that I don't know if he, I can say we have never seen him um, show himself in such a like vulnerable manner as this speech was that I'm sure there was um a lot of nerves about going out here and doing something like this, but I thought it was just an incredible speech and more so that you probably figure it was and know that it was all um, internalized from him and not coming mm-hmm. from anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, like I said, it's, it's his first day back on the job. Um, I, 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 I can't imagine how, how difficult it might be. Like, you know, I remember hearing in his previous interviews, how he would, Love to just you know have a match or at least do an appearance and then be in the back and have, have sipping on a beer, um, you know I, I I can't imagine like what what temptations he might be going through, what struggles he might be going through while traveling on the road. So I certainly wish him all the best, and it looks like the audience does as well. And he will be wrestling on on Friday, so we'll get to that later with the announcements for Rampage on Friday. MJF and Mordlow are backstage and. MJF assumes that CM Punk is already on the has the onset of spinal stenosis after all of the power bombs last week. And it's a tainted victory. And if Wardlow had had more seasoning, he might have been able to reverse that small package. He calls Wardlow a great friend. It's his birthday today, but he can't allow Wardlow to put his hands on him as he did last week. And therefore, he is docking the man's pay on his birthday. But... If you qualify and win the Face the Revolution ladder match, all that money will roll back to you anyway and believes that Sean Spears will beat Punk tonight and can show Wardlow how it's done. Mm-hmm, yeah. No no in-ring appearances, uh, but brief little promo that keeps this feud between these two warm. Adam Cole, Dr. Britt Baker versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Uh, Baker and Cole were continually tagging the other to avoid their opponents because it's... Male, male on male, female on female, um, because this is mixed tag rules. And Baker is daring Orange Cassidy to hit her, and he does the limp kicks. And as he goes for the super kick, Baker stomps on his foot. Chris then enters, and we get the match that starts to begin and escalates here. Uh, there's a long, delayed vertical suplex by Statlander to Baker that's assisted by Cassidy. And... Statlander gets flipped off of the, she flips herself off of the apron onto Baker and Cassidy just like dead weight falls off the apron on top of Adam Cole. His lazy splash. Yes. yes. Cole does a suplex, but it's countered with it with the stun dog millionaire and then a stomp by Baker behind the referee's back. Statlander enters and Cole shields Baker as Statlander is on top and delivers the area 451 onto both Cole and Baker. Cole then bails out and Cassidy leaps over and in midair is struck by a super kick. 
Cole is setting up for the Panama Sunrise onto the stage, but Statlander throws Cassidy into the ring. Baker super kicks and hits her own Pittsburgh uh, Sunrise onto Statlander on the stage. And Cole hits the Panama Sunrise. Cassidy kicks out at two, and both Cole and Baker are stunned. So they set up a table on the floor, and with Baker on the apron, Cole ducks an orange punch, and Cassidy knocks Baker off the apron. She plunges through the table, and Cassidy is looking very remorseful that he has knocked Baker off through the table, and he succumbs to a low blow and the boom as Cole pins Cassidy in 1426 and then goes to check on his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I thought the match overall was fun. You know, there's a novelty to seeing something like this in AEW. And I think for the sake of pairing this superstar couple of Adam Cole and Britt Baker together, I, I thought this was very worthwhile to do. In You know, I, I don't know if I necessarily loved the match ultimately. Like, it was fun overall. And I think the crowd seemed to get into it. Um, but it, it felt a little bit... Uh, disjointed, and and it has to be. I mean, with these sort of mixed tag rules, it feels like you're basically getting one match and then you're getting another match. And I think there's a varying level of fluidity and smoothness between what you saw between Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole and Britt Baker and Chris Stantlander, which was very good. But nonetheless, I did find you know a a, a bit of a divide in terms of uh, uh the quality. Um, it also I think like because they have to do so many spots where like okay like. Orange Cassidy is going to knock Britt Baker out of the ring or like, you know, Britt Baker is going to stomp Orange Cassidy. It requires a few too many shenanigans and ref distractions to justify those spots, which to me feels a little bit out of place in AEW. Like in the WWE, I feel like, okay, yeah, this is like, you know, this is par for the course. Like it happens all the time. But in AEW, I I don't know if I necessarily loved the format of this one. Yeah, I I thought the match, it was, it was fine. Um, I was saying, like, by the time this ended, like, with the Moxley segment and then this match, like, we were after, it was like 8.30 by the time this was over, and you're looking at, like, you have the Cody segment, and you got, like, five more matches after this, but, I mean, you also had some short ones in there, so everything timed out fine. Um, But, yeah, I was surprised this one as long as it did, given um, how we were already, uh, like, a quarter of the way into the show here. Uh, But largely, like, this is to set up the... Lights out match for next week that will pit Orange Cassidy against Adam Cole, which I guess is what the the third lights out match that they have done in the company. I'm not really counting. I mean, they did mention the last one was, of course, Thunder, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, which was um, probably both of their best matches thus far in AEW. I'm lo- really looking forward to, to Cole versus Orange Cassidy. I think they've shown great chemistry anytime they've been in the ring together. Again, very smooth. And when you add in, you know, that expected level of violence, for a lights out match, uh, I think they can really steal the show. With all of these losses to Cole and the fact that this doesn't count on your record, do you see mm. Cassidy winning this one? So you mean with all the wins, like with, with all the oh. wins by Cole over Cassidy? Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, very possible. Yeah, I mean, but don't you see this as the culmination of the feud, and and who's going to ultimately win this feud? I do. It's just. Um, you know, I would say I would say like this is like Cassidy has lost at every single turn here. And, who's, I, and the, honestly, who's the next title challenger of the two? Well, I would say I would say at this point, um, you're certainly looking at, at Adam Cole. But I mean, what did we see last year with Baker? That's what thrust her towards the women's title. True. You're right. And I don't I didn't like that either. I mean, I think that was also because Thunder Rosa wasn't officially signed. Um, and at some point they are going to go back to that and probably bring this up, but sure, you can have, you can have either of them win and and neither of them will be hurt by it. 
or you just make a strong challenger and that, that I would be fine with that. It's just that that's a lot of losses to hand to Orange Cassidy. Do you need one more on top of it? But and, point, and if I'm think- going that direction, I probably would have uh, allowed like like I guess Cassidy. It's like what he got here was putting Baker through the table. That was like his big. It's uh, kind of made him a bit of a heel to me, I feel. But I mean, sure. In the end, it's like um, I think either of them can win, to be honest. And it, like Orange Cassidy is at the point where I think he can lose and I don't think it really hurts him. And and ultimately, who's who are you going to be serious with? Who's going to be your title contender? Yeah, no, I I think like I I wouldn't be beating Cole unless it was for a reason, not just to give a guy a win at, at the end of it. So we're all like it's evened up. Like Cole mm-hmm. is your 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 focus going going forward. Marvez is with Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, and Jericho. Uh, borrowing the term way used to always say to me when I would propose some idea. G F Y. Hmm. Yeah, he debuted it last week, and he's trying to get people to chant it. Um, he's trying to make this the next. Listen, he he has got. I I certainly do not have my my pulse on fans and what they will get behind and chant because I've heard some amazing things that have gotten chanted that I didn't give a prayer to. So G F Y getting over. It may work. This, this guy made a list over. He made a plant, a superstar. So. He got a pen over. He's gotten everything over that yeah. he has attempted to. But this one does feel like, especially on a show where we we heard the F word like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, just come out and say it then. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he doesn't give a rat's ass about Eddie Kingston. But Santana and Ortiz say, we do care about Eddie Kingston. And they warn Jericho not to go too far here. Santana says that maybe Jericho is the reason they haven't been tag champions and you've never truly had our back. So maybe next week we're going to focus a bit more on us and less about all three of us. And they have a six man with Daniel Garcia and 2.0 next week. And I I know that there is like, this is this, this to me felt like way too fast that all of a sudden Santana and Ortiz are questioning this relationship with Jericho after one throwaway comment last week, after years of these five being all bonded together as the inner circle. This one just felt like we have, like this should be weeks and weeks of like these little things that are building up with Santana and Ortiz. And this one just felt like you're, you're already questioning Jericho's loyalty after one comment. Mm. I don't disagree that something felt off, you know, about maybe the, the shift in, 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 um, I guess, uh, perspective from Santana and Ortiz here. But, um, you know, I do feel like they have spent time on this. I just don't know if it was quality build, you know? Like, we've had several weeks now of this, you know, Jericho, Eddie Kingston thing, but a lot of it's taken place in the back, and, like, what's taken place in front of the cameras I don't think has necessarily been um, that effective, especially for Santana and Ortiz, who really feel like background players. And you're right, like, I don't know if we've had enough sort of, like, their own... Um, development, uh, you know, to 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 show their kind of, um, you know, um, questioning their loyalties. So maybe this is the way they're going to start it. Alex Marvez spoke to Adam Cole, who kicks Alex out, and said that Cassidy's been a thorn in his side, and this is where the setup is made for the anything goes no DQ lights out match with Orange Cassidy next week, where he vows to end Orange Cassidy's career. 
Sean Spears, CM Punk, MJF comes out for commentary. Punk instantly hits the GTS. He pins Sean Spears in 12 seconds. So we had both sides of the spectrum for Canadians with quick victories and losses over the last week with Aaliyah and Spears. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Was this a record? Uh, I don't think this, I I don't know if this was an AEW record. Was was it a Guinness record? I don't think it was a Guinness record either. No. Okay. Well, what I loved about this actually was the fact that they devoted enough time to create a video package for it. And I imagine this aired on the road too. They built this thing up as if it was going to be this, you know, main event level, like at least 10, 15 minute plus match. And it ended in seconds. Um, which, I thought it was which great. Is awesome. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. was not the week for Punk to have to do a 50-50 match for 12, 13 minutes. This was the, after last week. This was the night for him to just come back and kind of reignite everything with MJF. I wasn't as negative on last week as uh, more people were, but I don't know. I, I think this feud's in great shape with him and MJF. And I this was too. this was all it needed to be. MJF tried to sneak up from behind, but got caught by Punk, who grabbed the scarf as MJF ran off. Billy Gunn has now commandeered a camera. I love all the different scenarios on this show we got of how the camera was on these people backstage. Like, they really had to work overtime to come up with scenarios. By love, do you actually mean hate? Because, I I mean, we've criticized this aspect of the company before. They worry way too much about this invisible camera thing uh, to the point where, I mean, if they simply cut to the back and this happened, I would not question why a camera was on Billy oh, Gunn and Christian. Way they painted themselves in a corner because if they don't explain it now, you will absolutely get people losing their mind that it's so like the greatest sin to... Let I, them lose their minds. Like the, 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 the storytelling is the most important thing. And instead now, every single time you have a camera in the back, you have to come up with some excuse, some very con- awkward, contrived, you know, bullshit excuse. Like, oh, we've stolen the cameraman. We've stolen Brandon Commandeered. Commandeered. Like... Yeah. I, I think that's more phony than the idea that, uh, you know, there's an invisible camera in the back. Well, Billy and his uh, stolen camera find Christian Cage and is trying to get a title match for Austin and Colton. And Christian explains they have the talent, but they've never made a big statement victory. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Go make a statement. So Austin and Colton show up and they beat the hell out of Christian. And Austin says, statement made. And Excalibur reacts saying that was completely uncalled for. And I thought this was completely called for. Christian literally laid this out and they responded as such. So I thought this was (laughs) totally fair game when Christian had that amount of arrogance to, hey, do something about it. And they did totally called for it. It made Austin Gunn, who might be the most unlikable, most douchiest wrestler that they have on this roster actually come across like a bit of a badass, like a bit kind of clever, actually. Hey, like he asked us to make a statement. Okay, we'll make it on you. Statement made. I, I like this for for the gun club. It's a good little basic setup for the Jurassic Express's next match, and they're clearly not wasting any time with this Jurassic Express title run. You know, we've already had um one title defense last week, and this will probably come when? Did they announce this? They didn't announce this, so... Okay. I mean, I think I think if it was going to be next week, they would have announced this on the show. But could be on Rampage. It could be Rampage next week because you've got Friday or Chicago in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Lucha Brothers in their five month reign had five defenses. Okay, 
And like we're, I think, what two weeks, one week in into the the Jungle Express, Jurassic Express's reign, and they're they're on the verge of having two. So they're they're clearly being a lot more active than they have been with the Lucha Brothers. Okay, everyone, sit back. Cody oh Rhodes. boy, Cody Rhodes came out <laughs> with the TNT title. I am not kidding. I tweeted this. I've got three hundred words here. Okay, <laughs> Re- <laughs> recapping this. <laughs> As he's walking out, uh, they throw to break because first we've got a sneak peek of tomorrow's jaw-dropping episode of Go Big Show, where we went to picture-in-picture in in Canada and TSN2 had the gall to give us a Peloton ad. I was told that someone's balls got crushed by a plank or something. Okay. I appreciate my followers for keeping me up to date on the Go Big Show happenings. So Cody, during the break, takes a ladder out from underneath the ring and sets it up. And we come back and he asks, what does everybody want to talk about? If your answer was every subject imaginable, he was going to give it to you. First, he makes reference to the pipe bomb. One of the most important speeches that influenced thousands of wrestlers and mobilized millions of fans. It started the revolution. And someone told me once to save this promo, but I'm going to give it to you now. Punk listed all of these things that were taboo at the time, such as going to New Japan and Ring of Honor, and he eventually ended up here. And it's not just the comeback of the year, as Pro Wrestling Illustrated named it, it's the comeback of the decade. The crowd was chanting, Cody sucks. He said that in the void that Punk left, someone did all of the things that he said he would and carried the revolution. It was me. And you wonder why I won't turn heel? It's because you fans cheered me when I needed it the most. When I say that there is more than one royal family in wrestling, I was referring to you, the fans, the unspoken royal family of wrestling. Then he, oh, okay. okay, let's, let's, I'm sorry, let's intermission, there's intermission. too much, there's too much here. We're going to break down, <laughs> take this all in way. So punk laid out the pipe bomb and all of what he wanted to do. Cody took that ball and ran with it and did all of these things that were taboo. I think that's fair. I actually kind of like it. Um, he's right. Like he is the person to have actually left the WWE and really, I think came in with that banner and, and really changed a lot of people's minds. I think it's right. I think it's great material. If he was involved in a program with CM Punk. Oh, didn't he I challenge him? <laughs> he challenged 50 people in this promo, okay? So I can't exactly tell you what the direction is other than He also maybe, previewed some programs that he has nothing to do with as well. He might be laying the roadmap for, I don't know, his next 50 years in this industry, I suppose. But well, the, the roads map was very lengthy here. Yeah. So, I mean, great material. Why? Like, why right now? You know, and, 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 and we're only getting started. I, I, okay, let's also talk about his justification for why he didn't turn heel. Because you guys cheered me. When I needed it the most. <laughs> when so now when, when these fans <laughs> boo him, he doesn't need your cheers. He's got enough of it. He's got his power meter is full. So you can't detract from his so, baby system. <laughs> he is saying, I'm not going to turn on you because you were there for me when I needed you. So I remember all the good times we had, so I'm not going to uh, <laughs> turn my back on you. It's like the lyrics to the Friends theme. That sounds like a stalker to me, okay? <laughs> I want to break up with you. 
Yeah, we had great times. We had a great relationship. But I'm done. I want to move on. And you refuse to break, like, let go of this thing? That's obsessive. And <laughs> it's weird justification. And it's also, I think, oddly placed in the body of this promo. Please continue. Listen, part of the, the Cody character, if you want to call it that, is that this man goes out and he is he is not doing wrestling promos. The man's an, an orator. He is coming out to just speak. Clearly, yes. And that is, he is going to give like the state of Cody is going to be like the subject. So he goes on and brings up, this is where I knew it was hooking in way, the forbidden door, the forbidden doorway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, that that term is um, they, they it is careening into like a level of just like I, I can't hear this anymore. I, I mean, I was at that point in November. I mean, probably earlier than that. So he explains: if you are an industry journalist and you disagree with anything I say, then you are not a journalist. Check the receipts. I'm the one that built. The Forbidden Door. He's got the receipts from Home Hardware. The crowd is now chanting Cody. He does have the crowd here. And he is gone for two weeks. And the Young Bucks almost restarted the Wednesday Night Wars again. And he knows that Red Dragon graduated hip toss class. But he doesn't need to see the Bucks beat the developmental group again. I I actually hated this line. Okay, so... I mean, you know, a lot of criticism was was thrown on on, on Cody, um, and and you take this for for what you will, because anytime like Cody says something, anytime it's a WWE versus AEW thing, you're going to get people blindly loyal to one side. But you know, there is criticism for Cody in his promos continuing to reference the WWE for AEW promos in general, continuing to reference the WWE. But this was isn't it, even like reference. What, this is now referencing your contracted guys, right? Was it necessary for for this? And was it necessary to to bring up Red Dragon when you're not you're clearly you have no plans of working a program with Red Dragon? Nor are they even at the like point where they're going in the Young Bucks Red Dragon. Like that's a long story that they're fleshing out week by week. They are not at the point yet where they're ready to do that match. And here he is like shitting on this match, like which is the destination of where this is going. Like me, the viewer, it's like. This guy's just dumping on like it's this is not like two world class tag teams. It's our big tag team taking on the developmental guys from the other company. Like it, it to me, unless it, Red Dragon is laying out Cody next week in this ladder match, which I will I will reserve judgment for. But if Red Dragon, if this goes unchecked and Red Dragon has nothing to do with Cody on TV, much like Cody has had nothing to do with the Bucks for months, if not years now. Don't then, worry, it'll like, be Red Dragon coming out, followed by CM Punk, followed by Malachi Black, all all getting their shots in. Like, it was just, it was to me, it was, like, such an unnecessary, just, like, dumping on, like, Fish and O'Reilly. They're like, why? I, I think They're it in was, a totally separate story. It's like, it might as well be a separate universe in AEW than the one that Cody occupies. We, we've seen this from the beginning with Cody, though. I mean, remember he came out with the throne? It's like, part of the character is, you know, the, hey, my story is, I came from the WWE now I am, you know, uh, the the leader of the alternative. I I I am the person who who created the alternative. Is, is you know maybe part of the the mo of the character. And and this just felt to me like you know, um, sort of like another thing to be able to say, hey, 
uh, we beat NXT. Here are a couple guys from NXT to remind you that, uh, um, I don't know. It's um, like it, it, they're your better. guys now. They're your your company's guys now that you are paying and promoting and utilizing for like a big program with the Bucks coming up. Yeah. I don't obviously if you're Cody, I don't think you're intending on burying anybody. Um, I think maybe it was his way of like putting some heat behind the Bucks versus Red Dragon feud, I suppose, even though the program itself is not ready to necessarily get to that this literal, you know, verbal verbalization of the feud yet. But I think in 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 effect, in execution, it definitely did bury them. He's speaking on behalf of like this fan base, and he's saying, "I have no interest in seeing this this match and this this involvement, nor should you." Mm-hmm. We're not even a third, like two thirds through. No, chapter four uh, was Lee Johnson, and he has advice for Lee Johnson that avoid the lethal injection because that's the one cutter. That no one kicks out of in this business. So avoid, avoid, avoid. Great. Okay, so the opposite of what he said about Red Dragon. So he he buried the NXT guys, but he's putting over the ROH guy uh, who has a very <laughs> devastating finisher. Didn't go to a hip toss class. Yeah. It's great, I, I, I will say this. This, this, this. this statement alone, like, it makes the lethal injection feel like this is, this is, a, this is a huge yeah, finisher. It does. So, it does. So I'll take but, it. But why here? Why in I, the context of this promo? I can't give you all those complaints about Red Dragon and then come back and and destroy this point. That no, you can, John. Something up. The the the, the criticism. Wait, remains. this whole thing's disjointed. That's from start to that finish. That is this the disjointed. criticism. Why did he mention these things and why did he follow that one thing with this other thing that has very little connection? What is the overall point of this? Because uh, this promo was like the lethal injection for most on the show. Please continue. He moves on to Malachi Black, who has beaten him several times. And now he is partnered with Brody King. And I know we don't like to rename people like Gunther McGillibuddy, which I mean is time. He said gutter. But sure, yeah, the, the point remains. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's what I think he was going for, for Gunther. So at least, at least timely. But if you come to AEW as Brody... You've got balls. And I think like referred like like Brody Jr.'s coming in like eight years to face him. Yeah, he's saying basically Brody King has a lot of balls to come in with his name when there's already there was already a Brody and there is currently a Brody signed to AEW who will be here at some point, probably within eight years is what he's saying. Okay. And then goes over the past TNT champions and. Fans have been taught that any title without the word world in it is somehow secondary. There are no secondary belts in AEW. The only secondary aspect is that we have two belts, and it's clear what we have to do. And he looks to the latter. Tony Khan has mailed out a contract, but maybe it's not the contract I want. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Whole so- place went nuts. They had to evacuate the arena. There was so much heat. This line. Yeah, so this was the the allusion to the the whole contract thing that played itself out on the internet over the past week. Um, so if you're looking for it, this is where where you got it. MJ in the chat room, I have I I do want to point this out because MJ in the chat room seems to think that the whole thing was. So I'm gonna read MJ what you said. Okay, MJ was it 
wasn't he criticizing them? He was name-dropping reasons he isn't getting the contract he wants from TK and saying the alternative is now just the other thing. Isn't the whole thing with Cody that he hasn't signed yet? And he is airing his grievances. The point is he is not signed and may not sign, so he is saying everything now while he can. Okay, hold up, hold up. That is not public knowledge in this promo. You have not introduced that in any respect in this show. You are not building an angle where you are just assuming that the, that this fan base, that these million people watching this show are aware of that fact. So to be fair, you're, you're assuming way too much. And if that was the case, you need to make that that a lot clearer in well, this promo. OK, to play devil's advocate, the pipe bomb, when it actually occurred, I mean, CM Punk was in a very similar situation. Did they make that clear? The, yes, the, he said prior, I've, prior to the pipe bomb. He they explained that his contract is up. Did they say that actually before the, the, the actual promo or was it just a storyline after the fact? After he uh, I, cut it before the Cena match. I believe it was part of the promo, was it not? That I don't remember. But I mean, I'm winning I, the title and I'm out of here. I do think it's fine, like, when there's something that is such big news on the internet that, like, you know, you can play off of like this. But, number one, I don't think it's that, that big of a deal. And I don't think anybody buys into it, first of all, um, for in this scenario. And secondly, what were the grievances here? Like, what, what was he actually airing out in terms of grievances? He put over Jay Lethal. Like what? What? What does? Uh... He's mad that Red Dragons here, and that Brody King didn't change his name. Those are those are the pipe he's bomb he's ready, he's ready to walk. He's threatening to walk over this. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. If you can see it that way, great, awesome. I. I mean, clearly, like for you and I, it did not connect. Was there anything more we we have to bring up here? Set up the ladder match for Beach Break next week. Winner gets the title. So. <laughs> we set up a ladder match at the end of this. I'm sorry. I did not like this. When you start by saying, somebody told me to save this promo, but I'm going to do it now. You're, expect you're setting expectations really high. And I think coming out of this, what I'm realizing is they probably told you to save the promo because they didn't think anybody should have ever said it on TV. You should have deleted it. It felt this to me like. It felt a lot like the Ogogo promo where it just feels like the type of promo that probably sounded a lot better in Cody's mind than in practice. You know, uh, every time he comes out here and like teases something big, sometimes he hits it out of the park. You know, the man is, has great delivery, but other times I think he, he, he overthinks he it like way. I, I think the guy's a very smart individual, but I think he way, he puts way too much thought into some of this stuff that sometimes your fan is not the guy that's living on the internet 24 seven and is getting all these veiled references. Sometimes you've got to lead people by the hand a little bit. And I think that in his mind, he understands he needs an editor. He needs. he needs an editor and he needs someone maybe that has not grown up in the wrestling industry as he has for his entire life and is looking at it from a, a certain perspective that I, I just think like there is a disconnect. And this to me, and, and I've been more positive on the Cody stuff than most, but this to me was like a major disconnect from the audience, like not even reacting to that contract line when it was mentioned, nor is that at all. Like if you're, if your conclusion at this is the premise that this guy is disgruntled and that's why he's not signed a contract, um, this makes no sense. And 
I don't think your audience is like you are giving way too much credit that your audience would be in sync with that. I, I definitely open up the floor in, in our comment sections across YouTube, across, you know, our forum or our Twitter for everybody to give their own interpretation of this promo, because I don't doubt that there are people that actually really enjoyed this. Um, there's certainly a disconnect between the two of us and we're only two viewers with, with two, you know, like we have a base, of course we can broadcast our thoughts, but, um, we're only two out of the many people that, that can listen to this. But for me personally, I also, I had some very clear problems with it. And the chief of them is the fact that ultimately this promo was meant to promote a ladder match with Sammy Guevara. And he did not talk about Sammy Guevara nor the championship until like the final two three sentences of this entire what felt like 10 minute promo to me Sammy Guevara is meaningless in this entire thing the title is meaningless in this, in this entire thing what did you come out and spend your time doing you know and and we contrast this with the great work that Punk and MJF are doing talking about each other um constantly heating up the rivalry between each other Sammy Guevara it would, to me was a complete afterthought after this Shivani followed that with Jade Cargill, who has issued an open challenge. Anna Jay accepted the open, open challenge, and Anna Jay says she has a dark side to her. She wrapped barbed wire around her arm, and she will do anything to win. Simple setup. <laughs> <laughs> not, much, not as much to say about this one. What do you think about Red Dragon, Anna? Malachi Black and Brody King against the Varsity Blondes. They have a new entrance that they came out to. Pillman is tagged, but he can't bring himself to do the springboard after after the fumble. So the idea is his confidence is shot. He is doubting himself. King rams Griff into the steps with a shoulder tackle. They double-team Pillman, ending with a senton, and then lift up and toss him for Dante's Inferno, and Pillman takes the pin in only a minute 54. This one did not go long. Didn't need to. Shouldn't have gone on. You know, uh, this was, I mean, you already have a monster now, Malachi Black, who has added another version of himself except bigger. So there's there's no way this should have gone probably more than two minutes. Um, I thought it was an excellent showcase for the House of Black. You know, um, they've essentially just amplified everything that was working about Malachi in AEW here with the addition of Brody King. Pac then appeared on the screen. He says he can finally see that Malachi Black is self-obsessed and power-hungry, and he may have a few spells up his sleeve, but the bastard is above his reach. He reveals the justice card, and ex- and you expected me to bow down and call you master. I'm going to make a martyr out of you. And he reveals his eyes, so apparently he can now see. And Black looks very distressed by this revelation. He got some LASIK, you know, cleared all that goop out. He's he's all good to go. I I really like Pack uh, and the and these promo segments. I think I think he's a great promo, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's a it's a nice direction here for them to go. I like it too. I mean, all the video production elements for both of these um, b- between the House of Black and Pack, uh, House of Back Black and Black and Pack. <laughs> it's gonna uh, be a mouthful to call that match. They've been they've been great. You know, this feels like it's, you know, two people who are actually very cohesive in their storytelling, which is more than I can say for the the previous uh, feud that we were just talking about. There's a video with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, who are now joined by Dan Lambert. And Jake compares Hangman Page to Clint Eastwood and questions whether he's a real cowboy. Page's counter is you think cowboy Bob Orton was coming off the road and herding cattle. 
So I guess I guess I he's know. he's acknowledging. Okay, the cowboy thing is a bit of a marketing gimmick, and Paige is going to bite the dust when the time comes. Is what they say. Brandon Cutler is behind the camera waiting for the young bucks to come in to the shot, but instead Rocky Romero and Trent appear and they take up the young bucks promo time. Trent does not want to bully Cutler and Romero reminds them about all the times they beat the young bucks in new Japan and they challenge them for rampage. So we're not getting, we are getting a John Moxley match, a young bucks match and a TBS title match on Friday. So they are, they're loading up this, this live show for, Washington on Friday. It absolutely does. Yeah, it feels like a bigger rampage than usual. And Hook. Frank- and Hook, yes. Frankie Kazarian versus Lance Archer. So Archer is out with Dan Lambert, who's in a PFL shirt, and Jake Roberts. Archer drills Kazarian at the start, and he just dominates this guy. They go through picture and picture. It's all Lance Archer. He hits a pounce. He goes for the blackout. Kazarian stops it off the turnbuckle, biting Archer. Missile drop kick, leaping drop kick off the rope, and an archer stops a chicken wing, choke slam, the helicoaster, and then the blackout. Ten minutes and two seconds uh, for Lance Archer to win. Um, I just think like these two, like Archer has been gone a while. You're heating him up for this this title program, and to me, Kaz has been gone just as long. Well, I was going to say Kazarian has been very cold on this show, and to go this long, this late in the show, I just. I, I don't know. This one, to me, it did not really serve its purpose. I, I thought the post-match angle uh, redeemed some of that with, with Hangman. Uh, but the match itself, I just thought this was this was really long for, you know, 9.30. Yeah, I agree. This was one where I think this would have really benefited from squash match length. You know, for a monster like Archer just coming back, I think a quick win would have done him a lot better. Uh, and if you're worried about putting Kaz in this situation, well, first of all, you shouldn't be because the man hasn't even been on Dynamite, I feel like, in months. Uh, but secondly, I mean, it didn't have to be Kaz if you're going to just squash a guy. I mean, none, even if it was half the time, you know, I, I think it would have been better. But maybe maybe this was one where they had to pad it out because uh, because of the punk match, perhaps. I don't know. Or maybe they wanted Archer to have a, a longer match given the layoff. Like, he's come back and done short matches on Dark, and, you know, he's going to be required to have to go you know, longer with, with, with hanging. Shouldn't That's... the long matches be happening on dark and you use this to actually, you know, like creating compelling television. Yeah. I, I think this should have been more of just a uh, destruction of Kazarian because I, I don't, I, I think you lost some of that with, with Archer by going so long. Like to me, he, what he didn't stand out as like this monster going, going 10 minutes uh, with Kazarian, even though he took 80% of the match. Shivani gets in and Lambert cuts the promo saying that hangman page was not raised for this. When he was a kid with his friends, they played video games, sipping Perrier, and watching Toy Story, which made him want to become an East Coast dairy farmer, giving hand jobs to heifers to make soy milk to sell to Starbucks. Oh my! Dan Lambert wow. really has it out for you if you drink soy. I can't, I can't imagine you typing those words out. It's it's even better hearing you repeat it. Page is not physically or mentally prepared for Archer. And Archer just says, enough of this cowboy shit. He's going to show him what he's going to do. And he takes the chair onto the stage and he's ready to choke slam Kazarian. When Hangman comes out, they go face to face and he slaps Archer. And there's a boot by Archer. And uh, sorry, the boot is from Hangman who takes his cowboy boot and nails Archer with it. The buckshot gets caught, but then Page recovers and sends Lance out of the ring to the floor and continues this. 
uh, build up to the eventual title match between these two that I guess they'll do relatively soon. The physicality was the best part of of the entire segment here. I thought um, Hangman was really spectacular, and I I really enjoy seeing Paige go up against a giant who's taller than him. It's a different style of match from what we saw with him and Brian and him and Kenny. So, and it's also, I, I mean, far more classical of a story, you know, doing David Goliath that that'll probably be a surefire success for for Paige's babyface appeal. So, I look forward to it. Marvez interviewed Matt Seidel, Lee Moriarty, and Dante Martin. And Dante says that Seidel has been like a brother to him. They'll watch Dante's back until Darius comes back. Starks and Hobbs responded, saying he has a baby brother complex. No one here is your friend. You're all alone, and we are assassins. Still nothing about Leo Rush. No, no. It was, uh, there was no Leo Rush here. Chris he Statlander. on GCW on Sunday. Uh, that's right, yes. Chris Statlander and Red Velvet are with Shivani. Layla Hirsch interferes and wishes that Statlander had the same focus for their match uh, as she did earlier tonight. I mean, even though they did lose. Um, says she's selfish and costs Layla and Red Velvet thousands of dollars. Red says we're a team. It was a miscommunication. So Layla attacks both of them. And so we get our backstage pull apart. Neither one. Somebody should have warned them about doing this interview in the back like this. They don't Watch tend to out. end very well. Sky Blue against Serena Deeb. Um, this match, the audience really got into Serena Deeb here. Um, she just destroyed Sky Blue. Uh, Blue left her her uh, neck open and was put into a front chancery, reverse neck breaker in the ropes, and then catapulted her throat into the rope, uppercut, swinging neck breaker, and then hits the Deeb talks followed by the serenity lock after bashing the knee into the ring and submits her in 251. So mm-hmm. a uh, clean win for Serena Deeb, and they noted that Hikaru Shida is out injured from the attack on her knee. You know, unless like, uh, you know, Jade Cargill aside, I, I don't feel like it's been too often that we've seen these sort of squash jobber matches in the women's division in AEW. So I'm really glad that they gave this showcase for Serena Deeb it shows their commitment to developing her as a star. And I love Deeb as a heel. Her intensity and her mean streak are really setting her apart from all the other performers in the women's division. Uh, she's been great so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lambert's with Men of the Year, and Ethan Page cuts the promo that everyone scatters when John Moxley returns, but not me. He goes over his recent wins, and not to take him lightly, he wants to face Moxley on Rampage, and that's the match for Friday. So they announced that. The Bucks against Beretta and Romero, complete with New Japan footage that they showed of their past matches. Hook versus Serpentico, and Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay for the TBS title. Beach break next week has Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara in a ladder match for the TNT title. Adam Cole against Orange Cassidy lights out match. Jericho, Santana and Ortiz against Daniel Garcia and 2.0 and Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet announced. So Excalibur, um, he had uh, he needed to have some water after this. Something, yeah. Shivani is, dude, this is like the 80th angle on this show. Shivani is with Matt Hardy and Andrade El Idolo. Hardy has sold 51% of the Hardy family office to Andrade, but Matt retains the majority of the seats on the board of directors as Matt Hardy is the CEO of the group. Andrade will be the president, and they are renaming them the AHFO. 
And then they go into the recruit that Andrade wants of that little kid, Darby Allen. And Matt says that Darby should join. And now the merger is official. Should we get this this on had to be on tonight's show. We had to squeeze this in as well. The merger. The AHFO. I mean, every, everybody, there's so many storylines going on right now that, I mean, they, they really, they, they try their best to, you know, give everybody some development and some time. Um, so Andrade is getting a stable behind him, which is a great thing. Unfortunately, it is the worst stable in all of professional wrestling in the Hardy family office. So, I mean, this was an opportunity for them to rebrand it. And maybe it is, you know, how much of a rebrand? I don't know. One letter. I, well, I will say that my disappointment is that clearly they are keeping much of its prior identity because they didn't even bother to change the entire name. They they just added one letter to the name, so it's the A A F H O A A H F O. Just uh, rolls off the tongue. You know, when they say Andrade is president, what does that mean? You know, is he going to be the leader? Is Matt Hardy still going to be around? Matt Hardy is chairman. Is that what he said? Yeah, so it's like Matt Hardy has or voting. Owner. He has he has more voting seats, but he doesn't have controlling interest of the company. So what does that mean? Uh, it means we'll have a showdown at some point. All right. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm looking for this to somehow overhaul the Hardy family office. I think Andrade has been on fire lately. He's been great. Are you going to water <laughs> Sorry, him down? Sorry, Andrade literally was on fire a month ago. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Is this going to water Andrade down, or will it improve the Hardy family office? Uh, I don't know, but it's a stable with a very it's 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 bloated. Where's George Jorel? Jar Jorel, Jar Jorel. <laughs> Where's Jorel Jar Jarl? <laughs> I don't know if he has any any seats on the board. <laughs> it's already a bloated stable. I can't even name every single me- member. Can they be? Should they be adding more people at this point? I don't know. Hopefully Andrade will improve it. Hopefully this will be streamlined um, and, you know, this will somehow improve it all. I was just mad it wasn't the Andrade family office after this. Andrade? Andrade. Goodness Christ. Oh, my God. The Acclaim did a spoof of a Darby and Sting's video. Bowens gets hit by a car after riding his scooter by the fake Sting that they had in the, in the diss track last Friday. Uh, Max Caster shows up with a bat. And then they come out for their introduction with the rap with Max Caster saying that fighting us is gory self-mutilation. <laughs> nice. He leaves teeth more crooked than politicians, and they're going to leave Sting looking worse than Starcade 97. <laughs> Got a big reaction from this audience. So clearly everybody recently listened to Rewind Away number 100. They might not react to uh, contract references, but... Damn, do they know their Starcade history in this city? Yes, they do. So, a good line. The acclaimed versus Darby and Sting. Before the match begins, first of all, Tony says, I can't even explain that Starcade match. I was so confused. <laughs> we all were, Tony. Uh, there's a chair put around the neck of Darby, and he's run into the post, and then he's taken out. So, it starts as a handicap match, and they take over after remo- removing the turnbuckle pad. And Sting just sells throughout the picture-in-picture. They come back. He gets the Scorpion Deathlock onto Caster, and Bowens breaks it up. But then Bowens uses the boombox. I thought Bowens looked really good in the, in this match uh, with Sting. They set up the uh, the stairs, and all of a sudden, Darby returns and flies off the stage, attacking them, and he's back. Tags in, coffin drop to both on the floor. 
Darby uses a guillotine. And then there's a twisting side slam by Bowens into the mic drop. Sting makes the save. And then you see Sting just make his way onto the stage. And he's breathing. And he's taking a moment. And then he runs and jumps off this stage and splashes Max Caster through a table. I couldn't believe what I watched. It was, I mean, add that to the Sting highlight reel. The Sting AEW extreme highlight reel. Why wasn't this Starcade? <laughs> this was the time to bust this out, Sting. It there was are plenty of reasons why this was not Starcade, okay? They and didn't now, have a stage. You're right. It was not Sting. Yeah. So he puts him out. That was just incredible. And then Darby does the rotating stunner and coffin drop to pin Bowens in seven minutes and 32 seconds. And Sting continues to be my uh, just a guilty pleasure of AEW programming. I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm never disappointed with this guy's never. matches. Yeah. You know, I'll say I don't know if we had the crowd heat of like prior Sting matches, but as far as the performance goes, just me watching on TV, I thought this was great. You know, anytime we have a Sting match, the gimmick is how much is this 62 year old man with spinal stenosis? That's the gimmick. That's the gimmick. He's 62 (laughs) with spinal stenosis or having, you know, uh, had spinal stenosis. And then we we actually saw him challenge himself. You know, he this was not a, a match where Sting was going to allow himself to be hidden in a tag scenario. He wrestled a two on one handicap situation for the majority of this match, and still had enough in the tank afterwards to do a stage dive through a table. So, um, I I mean, no matter what age, you can continue to push yourself, and it's it's been really fun to watch. And that's how the show ended. Uh, no, no angle after the show. And I guess, the, you know, the, the question is, like, uh, eventually you pay off, like, Sting and Darby. Like, I think they have to get a tag title shot at some point, And you can build that up to be a really big match with whoever the champions are at that time. I don't know if Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are maybe the team to do it with, uh, but maybe it will be. I mean, from from the connection I, at the beginning, I have to think the Jungle uh, Jurassic Express are going to get a pretty long reign. And it feels like we're, you know peaking with Sting and Darby Allen pretty quickly. So I, I think that'll be the match. Okay, let's go uh, to forum.postwrestling.com. We start things off with Johnny, who writes, uh, this was a fun episode of Dynamite. Each segment served the purpose with a great intergender match and a, fin- and a returning Moxley. Fantastic main event. Despite Sting's age, hanging with the young talent, he doesn't feel like he is slowing them down. His AEW run might be overtaking his impact run as my favorite Sting era that I've watched. Now, there's one segment I felt off, and that's the Cody one. Listening to it, I loved the lines, and when he brought in the ladder, I thought Sean and Razor at WrestleMania 10. But the Sammy match felt like an afterthought because everyone is going to talk about the shots at WWE, a certain section of the crowd chanting, shut the F up, and Cody looks hurt from it, but what is the reaction he is searching for? He gets 50-50 reactions, but I don't know what the end game is for. Maybe I'm overthinking it, or maybe they don't know what to do with what they've got. Great show either way. We get a Kate from Montreal who will be joining me on Friday for Rewinda Smackdown, and he'll, she'll also be joining me to talk about Rampage this week. She says, this felt like a stronger episode of Dynamite than the last few, and more importantly, it feels like the company has been listening to fans. For example, fewer interruptions and more women's content. A couple of segments felt a little long, such as Archer and Kaz, uh, and the Cody, and Cody meandered a bit, but overall very well put together. I hope they introduce more of the mixed tag slash intergender matches going forward. Brian writes, a friend of mine watching tonight counted 61 people involved on screen, including Brandon Cutler. A lot of talent being used, a lot of moving parts, but outside of the bloated AHFO with poor Andrade saddled into it, everyone seems to have a clear destination. Heartfelt return for John Moxley, and it was amazing how quiet the crowd, 
how quiet the crowd was for him. I, mean, I think, w- I, I think when he started attention. talking. Yes, yeah. right, right. Hilarious stuff from the pinnacle. I wish Lance Archer could get in better shape again, but I'm not privy to his health, nor am I privy to Leo Rush's whereabouts. I thought the show was bookended by two fun matches. Cody could have stood to be more focused in his big promo, and they made this week's live Rampage and next week's beach break seem important. Is he referring to, like, Archer, like, maybe his body? Because nothing seemed off to him about me, but I also wasn't watching that closely to, to his physique, so... Uh, clearly, the man could, you know, still go 10 minutes in there. We go to Matthew, who says, I understand what they were trying to do with the table spot, but we've seen Britt Baker take worse in her singles matches and be fine. So the concern for her may have been a tad overblown. Still, though, I mean, you know, when I mean, if you see a significant other get hurt, you're you're going to be angry, especially get hurt at, at the hands of your opponent and your enemy. So, I mean, in, in that sense... I understand what what Matthew means though, because like this is not just you know oh it's not Miss Elizabeth, like this is Britt Baker, you know somebody who's wrestled death matches and taken thumbtacks. So I can understand maybe some of that disconnect, but I I think that at least the story they're going for is okay. You know you hit my girlfriend. Uh, he also asked, do you think Mox will get any backlash for the f bomb on live TV here in the states? It was not bleeped out. Only if there's complaints about it, but you know, it yeah. it happens. Um. You could argue that, you know, it's it's a live show and you got to be on top of that. So, you know, it was weird. And I don't even know if it was a response to it, but like 30 seconds after it, it was like the screen goes black for a minute. So I don't know if it was just TSN where that comes from, but it was like way off if that was the intended. It would have been an actual 30 second delay, except the the bleeping would be delayed by 30 seconds. Oh, so silly. Yeah, my mind was corrupted from this word, so I'm, I'm trying to recover. Brandon from New Jersey. Okay, I don't know if I'll get through this one. Anywho, this episode of Dynamite was rated NC-17 with the profanity. Great opener with Mox. He looked in tremendous shape, and he brought a lot of hope to the voiceless with his promo and his struggles. It was a very great moment. Sting looked phenomenal, especially at his age, working the way he does. It was a vibe. Okay. He's got his meanderings here. Um, I, I don't have the strength to go through them, but thank you. Did Brandon. Scorpio Sky look like Basquiat with the shades coming off? Um, I didn't even pay attention to Scorpio Sky during the segment because he never spoke. I don't even know what Basquiat really looks like, so sorry. Jay from Colorado says, what a fantastic episode of Dynamite. Moxley delivered the promo of his career. He absolutely had the audience in the palm of his hand. You could hear a pin drop. As someone who has dealt with addiction, it's been refreshing to see how how Moxley has owned his and isn't hiding from it. He is one of those rare wrestlers who is a champion regardless of whether he has a belt. And speaking of promos, Cody's promo was interesting for sure. There's subtext in all of that rambling, and I had to rewatch it to make sure I understood it. I'm so conflicted with Cody. Don't I had, I had to watch this a second time to make sense of it. Don't know if I love him or hate him, but I think it, that's by design. Either way, really looking forward to this. What does this mean? To his match. I don't know how I feel about any of this. Well, it's like an art piece, Don. You know, like you you have a you might have a visceral reaction to it. It might be a strong one, um, but you're not exactly sure if you like it. Listen, I I will I will say again, like I I have not been as as negative on a lot of this, and at, at the end of it, he is still like. His matches are extremely compelling, and he is still like what like. And we're talking about him. It's absolutely like he is in many ways like the star of the show. Um, and, yeah. and that's, you know, this is like a weird part of it, too. 
Um, so if you're telling me that I I should be appreciating appreciating you know Cody as if it was some sort of surreal artist, like if he was like Salvador Dali, you know where he's like painting uh, drawings that simply don't really make a whole lot of sense, but they're interesting. I mean, I I I'll have it'll take a bit of reframing, but I guess I can appreciate that. Is that his intent? I don't know, and I don't think so. And is his intent to make you feel that you're not sure if you love him or hate him? Is his intent to make you want to rewatch it to make sure that you you're not sure if you really understood it? Is that the intent of any wrestling show? I, I think sometimes you can just think so deeply that your audience is on the same like like remember when Malachi Black like left WWE and he went through all these little Easter eggs and like all the stuff that, that like everyone missed. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's cool. But if it misses everybody or the fiend, am I thinking, am I thinking, I thought Malachi like brought up stuff too, but maybe I I think it was more so the fiend. Regardless, the point I'm making is Bray Wyatt, the original Bray Wyatt. Yeah. So it's like, if you are, you can think at a deep level and on its surface, it's like, yeah, that's really cool that you're giving this amount of thought. But if it is being missed by people, like your average, you you're trying to either send this, and a very narrow audience is going to get it at the idea you are shooting it at, or you are maybe, and I don't want to say dumbing it down, but making it more palatable for somebody that is just consuming this. And you can do all of these other outside references, but you've got to hone it in and make it make sense within the body of the wrestling program. In this yeah. this Cody Rhodes on screen, my exposure to Cody is two hours on TBS on Wednesday night. I have no idea his contract status because it has never been explained to me. And all these other things like hip toss class, like how many people are necessarily getting that? Probably a few, but it's like even that it's like if you're talking to someone that is relatively new to this, like they're, they're totally like just lost at this. But stuff. again, OK, to play devil's advocate. Go ahead. What what made this fail for you when the pipe bomb worked, referencing very similar insider things? Wait, I don't even look at like the, the pipe bomb here as like even like similar to this. Like at the end of it, it's like you what was what was your overall conclusion of that promo? It's like I'm my contract's up. I'm taking your belt and I'm leaving this company because I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. I can't even take this promo and tell you the conclusion is he's miserable. I yep. don't have that conclusion from this. I don't know what this guy feels. Mm-hmm. He's the founder. He loves the fans. He's done all of this change for wrestling. Like that doesn't sound to someone like that is complaining to me. I have no idea what his motivation is from this. These 20 minutes. I mean, you know, MJ did bring up like the the whole the, the contract status thing, but there was no threat throughout this promo of him leaving the industry, leaving the company, going to the WWE. Certainly, nothing uh, other than you know Tony Khan not not giving me the contract I wanted. But besides besides that, then why is he being put on? Why is he being booked in this match next week if he's got no contract? Yeah, but besides that, besides that, I'm I'm saying like he didn't even hit on that note that hard. Like, so if the intent was to make him feel like a disgruntled employee who might leave, first of all, that's coming out of nowhere um, other than the Internet. And and secondly, um, I don't think there was enough substance to support that throughout the promo. If you don't know that story, you would never come to that conclusion from this promo alone. You would have no idea. Anyway, okay. Mug in here. John Moxley looks reinvigorated. 
and throwing a heckler out of the building was the icing on the cake. His profound, intense promo over conquering his demons was the highlight of the night. The rest of the show hummed along, but AEW needs to let matches and segments breathe. I got a kick out of Wardlow's facial expressions during MJF's promo. The mix tag was fun, and it was amusing seeing Rapongi Vice be kind to Brandon Culler. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to give MJ the last word here, okay? Uh, MJ actually writ, wrote, wrote out his uh, feedbacks. Uh, he says, following up, I did not think Cody's promo made any sense on the surface. So my thoughts were just thinking along with what the logic was while you guys discussed it. Okay, the promo starts with a reference to the pipe bomb and ends with a line about TK and a contract. Given the rumors this week, what other logic is there to apply at this time? Whether grievances or just random thoughts, I don't know if I can make sense of it myself. The purpose felt like Cody was trying to break the fourth wall on purpose. I agree the majority of the audience doesn't know about his contract or any rumors, but you can't just dismiss this that as a motive behind this kind of promo when he literally addresses wrestling journalists in the promo and is talking about industry gossip. My actual the wrestling opinion- journalist line was about going back and looking at his track record of going to all these different companies. Like that was the forbidden mm-hmm. door part of the promo. It had nothing right. to do with the contract stuff. Yeah, he's basically saying, you know, um, this is the fact. And if you're not agreeing with it, then you're not somebody who deals with facts like wrestling journalists do. Uh, MJ says, my actual opinion of the promo, completely random, a bad use of TV time, but also wildly entertaining in the Cody bubble. Okay, so yeah, MJ's thoughts prior were were more of his like stream of consciousness thoughts, you know, talking about what he's, he was trying to think of justification for what Cody was thinking. Um, And maybe some of you guys have that. Maybe some of you guys, you know, out there listened to the promo and it made perfect sense and you loved it. Please explain, you know, uh, maybe we don't necessarily see it. And and in the end, what worked about it for you? What didn't work about it for you? Do you agree with us? Were there other things that you thought about it? It's going to be a bit of a talking point, I imagine, for the for the next 24 hours. Mm, I don't know about that. All right. <laughs> we are going to wrap up the show. That is it. Um, that's all. Way, uh, we will talk tomorrow. One Eastern. We are live. YouTube.com slash post wrestling. Uh, where we will be discussing all of the latest news and then the wellness policy live at 3 Eastern. Check that out with Jordan Goodman and Wei Ting and then Wei and Kate from Montreal here on Friday night at 11 Eastern with Rewind to SmackDown. Phil and I will be doing the UFC 270 post show on Saturday night uh, so you can log in and watch that show for free on the post YouTube right after the main event between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan. So that is it. Thank you for tuning in and we'll speak with you on Thursday.